Welcome everyone back to the Sandalanche. I am Dak, and with me is Data, Jamie, and Joe. So this week we are uh, we're reading a short story and starting a new book all in one. So we first off we read Alamancer Jack and the Pits of Eltania, where we see the chronicles of of uh, Alamancer Jack, who is a bit of a blowhard and uh, having grand old time with some very lovely annotations written by his editor. And this and the story of how he went through some trials with some Coloss, which was pretty cool to learn a bit more about the Coloss in this in this new world. And then we read the prologue of Shadows of Self, where we get sort of a flashback for Wax from the previous story. We see Wayne basically is, you know, I guess a teenager, and we see Wax's first meeting with Lessie and the bounty that he was riding on at the time. So bit of bit of a difference in perspectives, I guess, for this week, but it's still a lot of fun. Hold on to something, everyone. The Sandalanch is about to begin. Does anyone really know the mind of the bat? Wherever you're going, whatever you do, a man in the dark keep them watch over you. So poison the ivy with your crocodile tears. We're climbing the vines to the heart of your fears. Can you tell me has something changed? The rewards are zero cause I ain't no hero Do you know it when you go strange? Is your taunting true? Am I as crazy as you? Check my head, I guess the joke's on me So yeah, we got pieces of two different things here uh, Still all Skadrial, Mistborny stuff And this is act- actually, it's interesting to me The prologue of the first book was also like a wax lessy adventure And then the prologue of the second book is a wax lessy sort of thing so what did you guys think of these of the short story and then essentially one chapter that we read this time? So the, like the short story was a lot of fun. Now more than ever I'm getting okay, Alamancer Jack is Zap Brannigan, uh, his <laughs> anna- the person taking his annotations is Kiff. Mm. And especially with the whole, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he left me behind. It's like all right, total Kiff move there. Yep. Yeah. No, this was this was a this was a fun story. Just I it took a while to get used to the little footnotes Throughout this, throughout the story, eventually got the hang of it. I guess just it did definitely feel like uh, oh, we just sort of jumped in halfway through this, like halfway through our story, and right. it's like this, and there's going to be more there. So like, I kind of was like, oh, I kind of want to know more about about Alamancer Jack, but at the same time, I'm just like, if we didn't, I'd probably be okay. <laughs> um, like this, like this was fun for what it was, and it's like, yeah, it might be cool to get more, but also if we never got anything more, it's like ah, whatever. And I, I but. Maybe it's just because we've done four books and we're onto the fifth book of like this particular planet and series. I kept on thinking, how does this tie into the rest of the story? And then I saw when he pulled the box up underneath with the spikes, I was thinking, is that meant to be the spikes that Spook found, or like the, or the like in the jars and everything that they found at the end? But I don't know. We can cover that when we get to it. But I, I really liked the prologue of Shadows of Self. Again, like it's tick, it's scratching my itch for westerns, so that mm-hmm. was really cool. After seeing how Wax and Lessie's story ended, it was cool to see how it began. Yeah, and yeah, just like that, that was a lot of fun. I like seeing Wax when he wasn't quite as knowledgeable, wasn't quite as competent. It's like you know seeing a young Obi Wan Kenobi. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It's funny. Yeah, yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah, we're I, we'll get into it when we get there, I guess. But yeah, the 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 whole survivor's treasure thing just like there's like a lot of questions about this actually i really liked these two bits of reading this week alamantha jack 
just ha- oh, yeah he sounds insufferable yeah, I right. just <laughs> but I really enjoyed the annotations I particularly like that the editor took the time to annotate a sigh or like <laughs> yep or this is not- how am I never here for this stuff like <laughs> I, I thought they were really humorous. I think the story probably wouldn't have been as well done if the annotations weren't there because you would have just been a bit like, well, it's a story. There's nothing particularly special about it in my opinion, but it was it was quite funny with all the annotations. Yeah, I agree with Jack though. I don't I don't think I need to know more about Alamancer Jack. And I do like the, uh, the Zap Brannigan. Now that's all in my head. I'd like to read it again with Zap's voice. Right. Um, that's what I heard the whole time. Yeah, when, when you said, yeah. like, the thing about, like, I like that he took the time to annotate a sigh, I was like, oh, that's very kiff, actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was that was good fun to read. And the the prologue for Shadows of Self, I think we're really missing the, the, this appeared to be the origin story of one of our most important relationships between the characters so far, Wayne and his hat. <laughs> You know, I think that's really nice that we got that little origin story in there. I mean, yeah, Wax and Leslie, that's, I guess, cool too. But now we know how Wayne got his hat. <laughs> it goes back as, as long as any other relationship in the book. Um, but, no, it was nice. It was nice to see Wax and Leslie starting their relationship, I guess. Yeah, it's good. I sort of hope we, we follow that sort of pattern across these books. It's nice to have just a little bit sort of here and there. Well, yeah, since she seems unlikely to she seems unlikely to show up in the main story, so it's nice to get a chance to know her more, right? Yeah, I just I think it gives Wax just a little bit more, you know, about him, and I I sort of hope that that sets a bit more of a tone for this book because the last book there was a lot of, you know, this is the same situation I was in with Leslie, and this is this is why it was really difficult for him, and you could sort of see the mirroring in the story to what happened at that really important event for him, so. I sort of hope we get to see a little bit of that. Again, we've got this really important event that's happened in his life when he met the love of his life, and now he's about to embark on this journey with Steris, who is not the love of his life, but they're going to walk his path anyway. So I sort of look forward to seeing how that kind of mirrors. I, you know, I don't think I've ever thought about it before, that that bit at the end that you mentioned uh, with, uh, with the hat. I, it never occurred to me. It's like, oh, here's how Wayne gets his hat. That's, that's amazing actually yeah i was so happy i was like i hope that's his lucky hat <laughs> it's not just some other hat that he's picked up but i feel like if it took the time to put this hat in there and wax specifically like where did you get that <laughs> but this is the hat <laughs> alamancer jack wow uh i really hated it um, <laughs> I, I you know i'll take that back i don't hate this story i just hated alamancer jack and i think you're kind of supposed to he's the worst He's not as funny to me as that Brannigan, so it doesn't really like make up for it. What I really wanted to do as soon as I started reading it, and I almost did it, and I guess I could still potentially potentially do this, but I almost made, because it's almost like, even though it's written, it's almost like a radio play, mm-hmm. and I almost like took the time and recorded to record like a radio play of me reading it, and then like put some old-timey music behind it, but that seemed like a lot of work. <laughs> And I was reading it this morning, and I had other things to do today, so I was like, ah, some someday, someday. But uh, the story's really, except for the survivor bit, <clears throat> the treasure of the survivor bit, I find the story very uninteresting. 
and Alamancer Jack annoying. I think this helped me with the footnotes a bit, though. I all, all of the comedic beats for me from the story are really from the footnotes completely. Mm-hmm. And I read the story all the way through without looking at any of the footnotes. Oh. And then I went back and read the footnotes. And that actually made it a little less jarring for me and funnier. Because, uh, and, and really, I, I kind of had to do it that way because uh, I'm reading this on my Kindle app. And so what it does is it takes you to the end of the book when you click on the link. And oh, then really? you just scroll back. That's uh, not how it does it in mine. Yeah, it takes Are me all the way. Are you on your phone way. or like in a Kindle? I'm in a Kindle app on my phone. It takes me all the way to the end of the file for, what's it called? What's the book What's the book called overall? Uh, Arcanum Unbounded. Yeah, it takes me all the way to the end of Arcanum Unbounded and they're sitting at the end. Um, ah. of the of the book see in mine in my kindle app on the phone the same way i read it there's like a little asterisk and when i tap the asterisk it pops the footnote up for me to read and then i can close it out and i'm still on the same yeah page. it doesn't do that it, that's it, weird it takes me all the way to the back of the book and then i have to scroll back maybe there's a setting or something yeah maybe so but anyway but yeah i just <laughs> there's so many things wrong with it and i know that it's like a fictional story within the fictional world there were a few nice knowledge nuggets that maybe inform a little bit about how people view the world at this point in in uh, in that era. But at the same time, I was just like, yeah, this is this is bad, but like not good, bad. It's just bad, bad. <laughs> so, yeah, I wasn't a big fan of Alamancer Jack. I would be more interested like and I, and I think this is kind of the kind of the crux of the the story it's like alamancer jack's not that not doesn't seem like that great of a guy but you know who i really love to read a story about is his uh is his girlfriend she sounds super interesting you know and if it's not written from alamancer jack's perspective i'm sure she's even more intelligent than uh than how she appears in the in the book so but yeah it was all right uh the the prologue i don't know if it's just because we just came off of reading the book previous to this but i just i just don't like it the 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 prologue story of them meeting it just seemed really forced to me and i don't know why it just didn't seem natural at all and it's i mean i understand the whole thing is manufactured but at the same time Especially if that's just like a flashback prologue, and we're not gonna talk about Lessie really much much after this. I just I'm kind of like, mm. maybe if this sets up for like her old criminal past encroaching on Waxillium's present, maybe then I would find it more interesting. But having just read the prologue and nothing else, mm. I was I, I was, was kind of like, yeah, I didn't I didn't need this, especially because now that she's dead, I'm just like, yeah, this is just depressing. <laughs> uh, because they're meeting each other and they've got this great back and forth. And it's like, yeah, but we're not going to see any more of that. It's gone. It's over. Right. So uh, maybe I'm being, <laughs> maybe I'm being pessimistic today, but I don't know. Just didn't, uh, didn't thrill me coming off the last book, which we didn't really talk about. Um, we didn't really give our like final assessment of the book. Oh yeah. So I guess I we didn't. Yeah. I don't know if you want to do that now or if you want to. Yeah, do sure. At, let's, yeah. Let's go ahead and do it before we get into well, new stuff. Yeah, sure. I'll just start. And since I'm talking already, might as well. Right. So I actually really, really enjoyed Alloy of Law again on like a 10 point rating. I would give it an eight. It was really good. There's some things that kind of fall flat for me, but they're so like nitpicky that I really don't. They're, they're not even really worth getting into. 
but yeah, overall, I thought Alloy of Law was very good. I think the reason I liked it perhaps more than the original Mistborn trilogy is there's the correct amount of comic relief in the stories. The original Mistborn trilogy is so serious most of the time, especially after Kelsier dies. It's true. Yeah, it's so it's so serious most of the time, and like the world is literally ending. It it's it's uh, there's not really any balance between like tragedy and comedy. And I would say the Alloy of Law did a much better job with that. There's a lot of good comedic beats, and and they don't feel forced. They feel natural in the story. So I would say overall, I enjoyed Alloy of Law more than any of the Mistborn Era one books individually. Hmm. Um, now, there are characters that I much prefer in the original Mistborn trilogy over these characters. But also, we didn't get a lot of characters in Alloy of Law. There's really only three, four main characters if you count the bad guy. Five if you count Mr. Suit. So there's not a ton of people to play with in that first book. So, But, uh, but yeah, overall, I really enjoyed it. So going into this... I'm certainly optimistic just because I didn't like the prologue doesn't mean that I'm not going to like the rest of the book. But yeah, that's uh, that's my thoughts on it. Well, I mean, I understand what you're saying. Like just having read the prologue, you kind of hope that it's not a waste of time, that like it plays in somehow to us. Mm-hmm. Even if even if maybe it's just thematically, like there's, right. some, there's some sort of thematic element here that'll echo into the rest of the book or, uh, or yeah. something. But yeah, it'd be weird if it was just completely like, Oh, here's an extra scene because I thought it would be fun. It doesn't have anything to do with anything. Yeah, and I mean, the obviousness, or excuse me, not obviousness, the obvious theme that I could pick up is what Leslie literally says. It's like, you know, she's like, I feel like I, if I was killing you, I was killing an ideal, like something larger than just a person mm-hmm. that I yeah. didn't really like get along with. And I think maybe that, and, and so if that ties into the book, totally get it because Waxillium is like the, at least in the first book, he is like the proverbial hero. He does things because they're the right thing to do. He has like grander ideals than, and it's not enough for him to be a man, you know, like much like the Batman. It's like he wants to stand for something and be a symbol. And, uh, and you know, very Western, like justice, the symbol of justice, whatever. Not necessarily vengeance like Batman, but justice. So, yeah, like 100%, if those themes play into the book from the prologue, then it definitely is not a waste of time. But just reading it on its own, I'm just kind of like, you know, this is just kind of sad because we know she's dead now. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, like cool story, although Granite Joe seemed like kind of a, a, a punk ass. Like <laughs> they took him out relatively easily. So it's true. But yeah, no, I mean, I'm excited for this book. Cause like I said, I really enjoyed the first one, so. Definitely, definitely very optimistic for what uh, what we're going to read. Joe just wanted his namesake to be cooler in the book. It's like, oh, here, here comes a Joe. Nah, it's not. Yeah, it's not even about that. It's just like a guy named Granite Joe and he gets taken out with one bullet. I'm just like, dude, you suck. I, I assume the granite thing is because he had like grayish skin or whatever. So. Well, sure. But Coloss are supposed to be tough. That's true. Too. So, I mean, you know, they took out Tossin with one bullet in the end. Yeah, that's true. That was a bouncing bullet. It was, yeah, that was at least more dramatic. This was just like, <laughs> okay, he's dead. Wait, let's uh, let's do Chris the alloy Cross. of law thing. Like, what, what what you guys thought? Since we didn't do that, apparently, let's go let's go back up the list. So, Jamie, what do you what what, you, what did you think overall of that last book? I really liked it. It sat really well with me. I think I enjoyed that it was different from the first trilogy, and I think Joe hit the nail on the head. The first, or the, the original Mistborn trilogy was very. 
there was a lot at stake. Everything mm. was coming to an end and, and the world was just going to shit, really. You know, I, I enjoyed seeing it on the other side, you know, 300 years later and how all those things that we know about shaped like where they are now. But I mm. enjoyed that it was a separate story. Yeah, it had some things that you kind of needed to know about, but it was different. I felt really satisfied with this story as a whole. Like if I was to never pick up another book in this trilogy or quadrilogy as it yeah. will be right. or more, depending on what Brandon decides to do, <laughs> um, I feel really satisfied that I've got a story. If I didn't get anything else, like, yeah, we haven't got the resolution with all the other women where they are and Mr. Suit, like there's still a few things out there but I feel like it was a bit more complete. Like there wasn't as many loose ends as from the final empire. I really liked the characters. I think Wayne, I was not sure how I was going to handle him at the start of the book, but I think I really liked him towards the end. (laughs) And yeah, just sort of seeing how the, like the three main characters really work together and, and function together as a group. I, I really quite liked that. It was nice to not have so many characters, I think, especially because we've just come off a big, huge character listing. <laughs> mm. um, and in, yeah, you know, Elantris, there was a lot going on as well. It was a lot of characters. It was three different sort of um, three different things happening that you were trying to keep track of. This was we're mm. really only just following, you know, except for when we went to Miles or, or Mr. Suit. It was following the same story. It was a much shorter story, I guess. You know, it really only happened over the course of, what, a week or so, even a couple of days, mostly. Yeah, pretty much a couple of days. <laughs> yeah. But, no, I, I really liked it. I think it would be it would be up there. I definitely preferred it to uh, Well of Ascension. I think, I think Hero of Ages was still probably my favourite, but I think Hero of Ages was just really satisfying after such a long slog through all the other books. <laughs> to get the that sort of complete wrap up, yeah. whereas I feel like this book we're just not quite as invested in this big grand story of adventure. Like maybe when we get to the third book in this series, you can sort of do an even comparison. But yeah, I I really liked it. I'm really excited to read the next one. Yeah, I I definitely I definitely agree with you. It feels like a self-contained story, even with the 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 bits that are left open, and it's. It's not only a self-contained story, but it's like a shorter self-contained story than the other ones that we've mm. been reading. So it's kind of like, oh, it's kind of nice to get through this. And it feels it just it feels so much speedier after we're used to reading these much longer things. I think, too, when you when you're reading the first one and even, you know, I guess the first trilogy, we're being introduced to a lot of concepts, you know, off of that. Whereas this one, That's I mean, true. yeah, you could pick it up not knowing anything about Mistborn, but. Because we already know that, I feel like it wasn't as challenging to wrap my head around because we already knew the the the, the uh, metallic systems in place. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to have that background knowledge. It, if you were reading this for the first time and not having read the other stories, I wonder if it would have made as much sense. Mm. I guess in a way it might be easier because we don't even cover all the powers. I don't know that we talked about like, tin barely at all or they may not no. even mentioned bronze so even if you had to explain like because you only have to explain a few of them basically you have to explain like the stuff wax mm-hmm. can do the stuff wayne can do the stuff miles can do and the rest is kind of yeah. like sidelined as opposed to 
the first Mistborn book where it was like, okay, I'm going to explain all eight of these to you right now, and you need to remember how to do these things. Yeah, yeah. So what did you think, Dak? What, 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 how did you like that book? I really liked it. I think it's really hard to compare to the other books just because, I mean, like like the others said, the others were all about grand world-ending plots or mm-hmm. you know top toppling empires whereas this one is it's 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 like a it's a crime story it's it, it's not this massive world-shattering plot and it's also much shorter uh the mm-hmm. plot moves a lot faster so it's it's you know it's set in the same world but it's a very very different type of story so it's really hard to compare to them for my part i think i enjoyed it i, I also enjoyed it more than well of ascension i don't know if i enjoyed it more than the other the other two but I, I i don't know definitely enjoyed it more than elantris <laughs> but uh yeah no on the on the whole it was just it was it was light it was fun and it wasn't too depressing most of the time like some some of the shit in the, in the original trilogy especially with the sky you just come oh, out of it yeah. just like this is just this is a downer joe had to make and, a funny song because it was such a downer <laughs> yeah and I, I think i think joe is right like the the balance between comic relief and drama here was much be- much much better, but I think that's just again because it's not so depressing um, mm-hmm. in terms of world building and background. So yeah, on on the whole, I really enjoyed it. I liked the new characters. Um, I liked how the funny characters weren't just there to be funny characters because I th- I think that sometimes that did happen in some of the previous books. Like say like I, I like Ham, but there wasn't really a lot going on with Ham. Mm-hmm. It's like oh he has a family. We never see them. Like they don't add anything to the story. They're just there. And right. then he just and then he just spouts off his philosophical stuff. Whereas here, like even the, like the characters who I thought were absolutely hilarious, like Wayne and Steris, like they had reasonings and like depth behind why they were funny. So I thought that was really nice. But yeah, no, on the whole, like I liked it. it wasn't quite as much of a western as I had come to believe it would be. But that's not that's not Brandon's fault. That's just like how that's my fault. It. Yeah, yeah. It, look, it's not just yours. Like I do have. I've got I've got friends in my day to day life who read Sanderson books, but for some reason don't listen to our podcast, the bastards. <laughs> and and some of them were were telling me it's like, yeah, we're really excited. Like you love westerns, you're gonna love this series. I'm like, oh, sick. So some of them hyped it up as well. Okay, I I, I said last time that this was gonna be one of the the special occasions, and maybe it's just because we read a whole thing at Wayne One Go that I can kind of be like, here's my thought on this whole thing, because usually. You know, if we read two chapters, I'm I, I'm not going to be able to give my thoughts because they'd be contaminated by the other stuff we read or the other stuff that we hadn't read yet, rather. But I have feelings about Alamancer Jack, and so I'm just going to share, since everybody else said what they thought of this story. This is probably my least favorite Sanderson thing. Like, if I was making that ranking list, this would probably be at the bottom. I don't like Jack. I don't like the way Jack tells his story. I don't like and, – and, and I think Joe hit a lot of the points that I might have where it's just like, this guy's he's he's obnoxious and I hate him. However, I love one of my favorite comedic approaches ever is footnote comedy. And I think I talked about it on one of the the baby break episodes even. I love footnote comedy. The the the, the footnotes save this story for me. I would never want to read it again basically if it weren't for the footnotes that just amuse me to no end. So I can't imagine reading it like Joe did without the footnotes and then going back and having to read all the footnotes in a row, especially when you get to one that's just like sigh. You're like, well, wait, what's he sighing at? I don't which part was that like I, I that I, I that would kill it for me. So don't, probably bottom of Sanderson for me, but not terrible because of the footnotes, because of the comedy from those. I love that. 
So there you go. That's my then, thoughts. And yeah, like if if the if uh, those footnotes weren't there, this story would just be insufferable and boring. Yeah, I mean, the, it it does one interesting thing, and this is what the the fandom has latched onto from it mostly is it gives that explanation of kind of how the Coloss work now, which after the first book, we're like, wait, what is this Coloss shit? Like, how how is that even possible? We get that explanation here. So that's something. It's true. Not, not enough to carry the whole story for me. But, you know, it's it's something that you can take away from it at least. To make, like, reading it once worthwhile at least. Uh, okay. Let's let's get into the thing. I like the, the picture on it. Uh, I'll answer Jack even looks obnoxious to me. Like, I... I, I but I agree that it sounds like his uh, his girlfriend or whatever she could make she, she could make for a more interesting story and she looks definitely cool and the coloss mm. look kind of cool I don't know why they seem to have like a question mark on their heads or something I'm not sure what the yeah I think that's why I didn't make the connection I'm like wait those are supposed to be coloss they got big swords on their backs and stuff yeah this is a good picture I like the picture it's uh it's not quite as terrifying as the uh, sixth of dusk picture but yeah. it's, I don't know like the coloss teeth is pretty intimidating. Mm. But the guy in the back, the Colos in the back especially, looks like he's about to fall apart. He's kind of freaky. He's like a zombie looking dude. <laughs> but the way his eyes are sort of bugging out, I'm just like, Jimmy? Mate, <laughs> 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 it's like his eyes, the way he's just sort of leading in, it's just like, duh, what's going on here? <laughs> but we get, uh, so it's noted at the beginning that this is episodes 28 through 30 of Alamancer Jack in the pits of Eltonia, the special hardbound collection of all three episodes edited and annotated by Handerwim, Jack's faithful Tara steward. So it's divided up into three letters. It's not really even divided up because he has to tell you in the annotations, like in the footnotes, this is where the, the first letter ends or whatever. But these are letters that Jack has apparently written in to, I don't know if they get, I guess they get published in the broadsheets we found out. So I guess he's, he's written into the newspapers and like, here's yeah. my next adventure. It's uh, it's like when you, it's like when you read a manga and then they put it in volumes, it's like comes out once a week and then they volumize it, I guess. Still like only three letters in a, in a bound volume. I feel like you could squeeze some more in there. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but Jack wakes up in a cave with a headache and remembers that he's just, uh, he's just beaten the Coloss champion with a bullet through the eye. And we get our first footnote where Handrum's like, so yeah, Jax has been king of the Coloss for three episodes at this point. See this previous episode for uh, when that happened. He's trying to get closer to the secrets they held regarding the survivor's treasure. Bum, bum, bum. And uh, he's like, man, I haven't, uh, this is bad, but I've been through way worse. Like that time that I was thrown into the ocean with my arms bound and my feet tied to a metal bust of the survivor. That footnote's (laughs) like, Here's here's the 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 section that you can look to find that bit. Although at the time he said that it was a bust of Lord Mistborn. Yeah, he's a real prick. One wonders if Jack ever stops to read his accounts after their publication. Fortunately for me, he does not seem to. Nice. It just you. This is like I said, the footnotes are the one thing I love about this, and just the relationship that you get to see existing between these two guys as this progresses is just amazing. So he's in a cave. And he, he, there's a wall at the back, so he's like, okay, I'm not, I'm not escaping that way. And the footnote pops back in. Uh, he doesn't actually know he's in prison. One might wonder why he thinks he needs to escape. Uh, I would remind you of the last 18 times Jack awoke with a headache at the beginning of an episode. He'd always been captured in some fashion, so he's just used to it at this point. Finds out he's trapped in a cave up on a cliff. He's kind of looking out, like, how do I get down from here? 
sees some coloss over there. Their skin stretched and broken, their bodies tattooed and draped with leather, created from the skin of the men they had slain and eaten. And the footnote is like, actually, modern scholarship indicates that the Kolos rarely have ever used actual human skin. Accounts of them eating humans are greatly exaggerated. That's already an improvement over original Kolos, let's be fair. Yep. <laughs> Why have you stranded me here, dread beasts? And what have you done with the fair Alessandra Damali? Mm, racist man, much? Man. They've got they've got their own little society and like hierarchy. Yeah. And the fact that they just never seem to come up in uh, alloy of law suggests they're just kind of keeping it themselves now. Yeah, I feel like they just hang out in the roughs or something. Uh, we found out they're that like the, the giants in Harry Potter. It's like you hear a lot about them, you don't really mm-hmm. ever see them. At the beginning of Alloy of Law, like that town that they're in, when Lessie gets killed, it was like this had been a t- like a bustling town until like a Colossus tribe settled nearby and then things went poorly. Ah. He's like, I don't know what happened to Alessandra or my faithful Handerwim. And the footnote is, I was actually asleep. It had been a very long day. Uh, I'd probably have been worried about him if it had crossed my mind to be worried. But uh, the bed they gave me was surprisingly comfortable. <laughs> but well, another interesting fact is, like, the Coloss wouldn't harm him, Handerwim, because of the vow of their vow to the Terrace people. So apparently there is a vow that the Coloss have taken not to harm Terracemen. Because his footnote <laughs> indicates that, yes, this is true. Maybe That's that a good was- vow. Maybe that was um, in the like the terrorist people were the ones who let them out of the pits after Sazed reshaped the world. So it's like, all right, we're gonna let you out, but you got to promise not to hurt us anymore. That'd be fair. I was thinking maybe it was like in memory of Sazed and he fixed them or did something to them to make them intelligent again. So possibly. But then you think Sazed would be like, can you just not kill anyone? Yeah, right. Maybe that's asking too much. Like we're still Colossus. Sazed wouldn't gotta... give him that sort of direction. <laughs> yeah, well. Mm. True. He, might, he might strongly suggest it's like guys no i know you have urges and stuff but just don't kill anyone okay <laughs> he finds that they've taken his gun which he apparently calls glint oh, stupid name. stupid name <laughs> I, was, I said that and then i was about to say maybe that's just me because i don't like the guy but then you said the exact same thing so okay i actually kind of like that name oh all right they did, did different people different opinions it's okay that's a stupid opinion <laughs> no what's i i like i like his uh his looking down his nose at the next with he's like they've taken his vials of metal maybe they thought they had whiskey some rough salamancers do that because we know wax did that so it's like he's he's just looking down his nose at wax he's like, the mind of a gentleman adventurer needs to retain clarity at all times and the footnote didn't he just mention the whiskey he often drinks at the way stop whatever and then we find out that he knows renette see this it, it, it all ties together this is a small world basically uh, she designed yeah. for him a heel contraption that he could hide a p- pouch of metal in. My theory behind that is that Renette is actually like the ghostwriter of these stories. Because <laughs> like, they're fictional, right? So they didn't actually happen to end. I don't know that they are fictional. Oh, so Alamancer Jack's like a real dude in I their world? That's dumb. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure on that. I'm just, I based on this story, I feel like he might be. I feel like... Alamancer Jack is this the, the Cosmere's answers to answer to Gilderoy Lockhart. <laughs> that yeah, could absolutely good. be true. Yep. Mm. Except if he's a real guy, it does sound like he actually, you know, accomplishes some things. By blundering his way into it. Right. Like Zap Brannigan. <laughs> I don't know that Zap Brannigan accomplishes anything. Like, come on. He won the war against the uh Fidarians. <laughs> yeah, and the bouncing balls or whatever. Balls yeah, uh, thoroughly licked. 
didn't he win a convincing war against the pacifists of the Gandhi Nebula? <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah, but I'd forgotten the, the, the pacifists. Bender clearly deserves all the credit for the ball thing, but... Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess. They also put a bomb inside of him, so... That was Nixon. So maybe Bender and Nixon. Yeah. Like, this, like, like, there was that also when Kiff like negotiated with the native Martians and, and saved everything and everyone mm-hmm. always all gave the credit to Zap. That's true. Yeah. So that's, that's just what happens. Like other people do shit and Zap takes the credit. <laughs> and so he's like, Oh no, I need some metal. And he goes and he licks the wall. <laughs> oh, oh no. wait, we skipped my favorite footnote where he's the sentence is almost invisible. I discovered it only by touch. We're talking about the metal in the wall. And the footnote is yes. According to the way he wrote that sentence, he turned invisible for one line. No, he won't <laughs> let me change it. <laughs> oh, see, Footnote humor I love and like grammar humor I also like. So it's just we're firing at all cylinders with Handrewim. I love this guy. Like right after is like a really good one. So like, while I have never wished for glory, and the footnote is just uh. <laughs> it's so true. Oh my gosh. Yeah, like why why are you writing in uh to be published in the newspapers if you don't want glory, dude? Clearly. No, and the the next one is even better. Like, they just keep – they're just great footnotes. He goes, honesty is my greatest virtue. And the footnote is, technically, this is probably true. <laughs> just, oh. But I, def, I definitely got the whole, yeah, this is Kiff saying the things he could never say to Zap's face. Uh-huh. Like, I would never but, want to look foolish in front of you, dear readers. Well, it was too late for that after volume one. Maybe that's, maybe that's, okay. maybe that's something we should do for the Patreon. I should record – I should uh, – like record this as in Zap's voice and then record the footnotes in Kiff's. I love that. That's that yeah. would be amazing. Yeah, be okay. good. Baby, oh it'll blow yeah. your mind. <laughs> <laughs> I felt. He's like I felt around with my hands invisible till I found the metal. And then, dear readers, if you can believe it, I licked it. It was smooth. L e e l a lila. Like real velour. <laughs> In order to survive in the roughs, a man must be willing to seize opportunity. I did so with my tongue, sensually. <laughs> oh, yeah, because, yeah, you just throw in a few sensualies and... Um... Yeah, and Kiff's just like, I guess technically that is correct. <laughs> I have a very sexy, alimantic ability. What, what oh is God. it I call it, Kiff? Uh, sex bending. <laughs> Sex, Lexia. <laughs> it's he finds, according to him, some tin because he's a tin eye, which also not the most useful elementic power uh, for the gentleman adventurer to be out there adventuring with. But he seems to make it work for him, I guess. It's also not the oh, least. Is he not a uh, It's true. I thought he was like a mistborn. No, no, he's a misting. He's a tin. Oh, he's a tin I eye. guess. Yeah. See, I keep thinking he's fictional, so I guess he's not. He's like Spook, actually. Spook was a tin eye. Uh, oh, even worse. Another in case that makes you love him even more, yeah. <laughs> so, sure. so just, wait, so does Joe just take Tin Eyes in general? Maybe. I mean, the only other Tin Eye we, that I can think of is Straff Venture, and he was terrible. Was Mare a Tin Eye? I feel like Mare was a Tin Eye. We didn't really meet her, though. We didn't meet her. We just heard about her. I'm going to have to double check this now. That oh, I, I, thought she was, uh, I thought she was a smoker, but maybe you're right. No, she was a Tin Eye. They, her, Kelsier, and their smoker buddy were the ones invading the Lord Ruler's palace and the smoker that's got killed. Right. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, so he, he supposedly finds tin on the wall and licks enough off to uh, use his powers. And the footnote 
is like decide it's like look i i am very skeptical of this my research indicates it's highly unlikely to find pure tin exposed <laughs> even even casts cassiterite a tin ore of some relevance would be unlikely in this area and probably too impure alimentically to produce an effect but jack is telling the truth about having lost his pouch of tin i found it on the ground uh, full and unopened the next day so he's like look i wasn't there i can't speak to it but this this seems unlikely <laughs> that's all i'm saying that's like the implications like no, he didn't lose it he just left it behind well, he thinks it fell out, like, of his secret compartment uh, in his boots. So I, of, they course were he, of course off, he so. would say that. <laughs> and, you know, he's like, oh, I'm going to go to Renette and talk to her about her shoe thingy that failed. And it's like, Renette is going to kick you in the balls and say, yeah, press the wrong button, you daft twit. Right. <laughs> and then we, he, he uses the tin to hear water tinkling, which, so he looks down. He's like, oh, yeah, there's a little stream down there that I hadn't seen earlier. Yeah. What I really th- thought, like, wow, what a shitty use of tin. I, I, f- I feel like this is all made up, and he just saw that stream. Because it, it's not hard to see a stream, so <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you don't need enhanced senses to hear water running, you daft prick. <laughs> and we get to... We, we go from ridiculous to more ridiculous as the his spirit guide, uh, sent to him by the survivor, apparently, he claims shows up a, a talking crow yeah this was the only part i actually liked even <laughs> you though found, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense but it's you just found metal even in your prison jack the survivor is pleased with your ingenuity and then the footnotes like look i'm gonna say i've said it before i'm gonna say it again i have never seen the supposed talking crow apparently this thing just shows up in these <laughs> stories all the time jack thinks it's one of the faceless immortals and the footnote is like never mind that the faceless immortals are a mythological feature in the path not survivorism that theological mix-up has never bothered Jack. I mean, it's entirely possible that this is a Kandra who's taken on a crow's body for shits and gigs and is just messing with him the whole time. Well, and yeah, and see, this is this is one of the things that I find kind of interesting here is that it's like a, another level of comedy because basically in the footnote he's saying like, look, this is like a mythological thing. That, you know, the faceless immortals are this myth, right? Uh, and we know that there are actually conjure out there that maybe are right. you know what what are being called the faceless immortals. So yeah, Jack says something crazy. The other guy's like, no, look, you know that's that's crazy. This is a myth or whatever. <laughs> and on another level, we know that actually no, the Jack could actually be right here. Yeah, yeah, he could have actually seen this thing. It could be following him, hanging out, just having a good time. He's just too stupid to know like, oh yeah, these aren't from that religion. They're from this religion. But well, he also, just doesn't care like, apparently. Like the. Chris's notes said that, oh, yeah, the Kandras survive and do Harmony's work on this planet. So it could just be like, I, none of us like Jack as a person. He's a massive ass. Um, but I can imagine that uh, Sazed is probably watching him and, like, Sazed probably loves this guy in the same way you love a really, really stupid pet. It's like, oh, Cat's got his head stuck in the butter again um, or something. Um, it's like, oh, oh Jack. What now you're licking walls, you lovable idiot. And so it's like <laughs> Alright. Like what one of my candidates, just 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 like do do the bird thing, go and just help him out a bit. <laughs> I like how I like how you're talking about cats stuck sticking their head in butter, and I was gonna ask you, does your cat do that? Is that a thing <laughs> no, that cats do? No, I'm just spitting words out and they may not make any sense. So I'm sorry. It's been it's been a long week. I love that. No, it's great. Uh. Yeah, I like the idea that he's just, like, Harmony's enjoying the show so much that he's like, okay, 
go go help him out again so we can see what happens next. <laughs> yeah. Because that Sage would totally do that too. And so uh he's like, Hey, is is Miss Dramali well? And the bird's like, Oh, they have not harmed her, bold adventurer, but she is captured by them and is being held. You must escape and quickly, for a dire fate awaits her. He's like, How do I escape? I cannot give you the method. I am guide, but I cannot solve a hero's problems. It is not the way of the survivor. And the footnote is, I think Jack probably hallucinated this entire section because of head trauma. Upon doing this edit, I wish several times to be similarly affi- afflicted. It's just... Oh, man. Thank you. So, the, the survivor deems that all men must make their own way, and then Zoidberg stresses Jesus like, I help those who help themselves! <laughs> yes! Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Zoidberg as Kelsier. That, that's <laughs> that's the casting I hadn't considered before. And then uh, we, we they have a conversation about why did the Colossus turn on me? And the, the bird's like, I don't know, man. Maybe because you shot one of them. And then there's a footnote where it's where he calls them savages. And the footnote is like, I once mentioned to Jack that the terrorists were once considered savages, at least according to the records given us by Harmony. And he put his hand on my shoulder and said, it's all right. I'm proud to count as savages, my friend. He was so sincere, I dared not explain just how insulting he was being. That's almost kind of a heartwarming one. I don't know. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's Jack trying to be really, really sweet and genuinely thinking that he is. And it's like, you literally just don't know any better. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it shows you that, like, Jack's not a bad guy, necessarily. He's just an idiot, like a like like a Zap Brannigan level of idiot, except Zap is kind of also a bad guy. Oh, yeah, he, like, uh, what what is it? It's like, thought, thought you were a, a, a giant sack of crap, but inside that sack of crap was a sweet, was a sweet man. But outside that sweet man is a giant sack of crap. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, 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 okay. He's, I was gonna, I've had this discussion with someone before where it's like, usually people in fiction are really evil or really stupid. You rarely see them together because it doesn't make for an interesting story if your bad guy is also an idiot. And so I, like, I was thinking of an example, like, like Homer Simpson, you wouldn't call him, like, intentionally malicious generally despite the fact that he's a complete idiot and he chokes his son on a regular basis it doesn't come off as malicious necessarily no he's just lazy but uh and so jack's jack's an idiot but he's not like a bad person like a malicious person and i mean there's some exceptions to that like the first one that come came to my mind was like the 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 wet slash sticky bandits from home alone (laughs) oh yeah yeah i guess like the difference there is they're up against the kids. So they need to be up against someone who's on a similar sort of intelligence. Yeah, wavelength. right. Yeah, good well, call. and I think in that situation, like Marv's so idiotic that he kind of just goes along with the other one. But I would say of the two, the more intelligent one is the one that's more evil. Yeah, you're right. Yep. Fair. But yeah, it originally came up because I made a post on Reddit about uh, a guy that I knew in life who was both a terrible person and an idiot. And I got a comment that was like, if this were a fictional character, I wouldn't believe it wouldn't be believable. But I believe this person exists in reality. But yeah, so yeah, Jax, it doesn't make me like him any better that he's not a horrible person. But it's kind of nice, I guess, that he's trying a little bit. (sighs) Anyway, and so it's like, how did they even get me up into this cave up on the cliff? And, uh, you know, maybe that'll help me get back down. And the bird's like, you're not going to like it. Uh, I did see they threw you up here. There's there's no secret passage to get down. And uh, the footnote is like, I find this strange plausibility even for a Jack story. More likely, they lowered him from above. 
just the most random things he calls out. And so he's looking around. He notices storm clouds in the distance and sees that the canyon is weathered as if like water flows through here much higher up than that tiny stream um, with some frequency. And sure enough, after he's figured this out, it's uh, the way he makes it sound like this happens really fast. But just all of a sudden, the storms way upstream cause kind of a flash flood in this slot canyon and gives him the opportunity to jump down and get out of his uh, his uh, prison cave. And then the footnote is like uh, he, and he has a whole thing about like before I jumped before I jumped in, I sealed this letter up in a in a thing so that even if I die, maybe you'll get you guys will get this letter. And then it ends with like him jumping in. And the footnote is like, so this is the end of the first letter. Um, I don't know how he supposedly wrote the last paragraph after sealing the letter in his trousers, but whatever. I doubt you think this is Jack's demise, considering this volu- this collected volume contains three episodes, and this is the first of those three episodes. However, many weekly broadsheet readers of his letters did indeed worry that this was the end of Jack, just as they'd worried at the end of the other 300 episodes. It often strikes me that I wish I could find these people and discover to whom they sold the contents of their skulls and for how much. And then you get, he's a little bit full of himself even, where he's like, I much prefer the audience of these bound volumes. Their keen regard for my personal annotations proves them to be of superior taste and intellect. <laughs> this character just gets more and more fun. I want this guy. <laughs> and so uh, then we get the next the next letter. I'm somewhat pleased to say that I, I have survived, only somewhat because of the revelation I must soon impart unto you. If you must read on, be warned. The contents of this letter are dreadful and might produce discomfort, even sickness in the more frail and youthful. You are such. I don't like you. Uh, he's like, no, I I've, I survived the waters. I have previous experience with waters of, of this nature. And the footnote is see Alamancer Jack in the waters of dread for several equally implausible instances of Jack swimming strong currents and whitewater rapids. I'm left to wonder why these extreme events never happen in my presence. <laughs> I don't I mean, apparently this guy travels around with Jack. I don't know how you can be absent for all of the adventures. Like he's like, oh, I was sleeping again. I don't know what to tell you, man. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a particularly good steward, does it? No, not really. Woke up one morning and Jack had run away again. I tried tethering him <laughs> yeah. tonight and it didn't quite work. <laughs> it's like the moon through show. the rope. Yeah, Tie him exactly. up by the leg and put some sand around the bed. <laughs> He Spoilers. said he was kidnapped by Colos, but really, I think he just got up in the night to go pee. <laughs> he got lost. He, he fell <laughs> off a cliff or something. So he climbs out of the uh, of the of the water and runs right into six medium-sized Colos, and they take him towards a stand of trees hidden in a small valley. There's another grammar uh, footnote. Where it's like there was an unnecessary from added in this paragraph, but it's the least of Jack's problems, so I left it in there. I did manage to snip 16 superfluous commas from this page. Jack is also <laughs> under the impression that Coloss looks better with an exclamation point at the center. I have yet to ascertain the reason. For my own sanity, I have removed these, though I worry it has come too late. <laughs> oh, man. I, the Coloss, the exclamation point in the middle of the word Coloss. I can't even. I guess maybe instead of the L? Or is it after no, that's the what, L? I, I, sh- I assume it's instead of the L. Instead okay. of the L, that's what I saw. Yeah. <laughs> Man. So he's like, uh, the spool is shaped vaguely. They take him to a pool in this, in these trees. The pool is shaped vaguely like a spearhead. Could this be it? The location of the survivor's treasure? Had I found it at long last? And the footnote is, yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there it is. Spoiler alert. 
The invented story of the survivor himself bleeding from his spear wound and stopping here to drink made sense. Does it really, though? I guess they weren't there like we were for uh, Kelsey or dying, but uh, he wasn't stopping anywhere to get a drink. I'm just... I mean, we don't also, know. This was definitely not, about. like... Yeah, but this is definitely not where he also got stabbed, so... <laughs> well, the world has changed since then, so, you know, maybe this was the middle of Luthadel. Who knows? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but the Kolos, uh, this is a holy place to them. Now I know why I'd never heard of this oasis, uh, and the reason men had been vanishing. Anyone who stumbled upon it must have been murdered for having witnessed what they should not. What did that say for my future that they had brought me here? And the footnote is like, look, yeah, I know Jack's description is sounds fanciful, but I've actually seen the place now, and it does look just like he says. The Kolos don't speak about, about it to people, but... Uh, Incredible as it seems, he actually found the location of the survivor's treasure. I take this as proof that Harmony watches over all of us, for only deity could have such a cruel sense of humor as to repeatedly allow a man like Jack to bumble into such remarkable success. I mean, yeah, we, we talked about it. Maybe Harmony's looking out for the dude. And so we find some very old coloss, so big that, like, the, their skin's gone, basically. They've ripped out of it. So they still do the thing where they get bigger and bigger as they age, and the skin stays the same size, which is... You. They sat wrapped in leather to contain the slow seeping of blood from their flesh. So that's why the coloss in that picture at the beginning look like mummies, basically. Oh, it's just such a gross, I know, gross right? concept. Yeah. And like, I know we we sort of came to the point where they grew so much that their hearts gave out. Yep. In the previous, but I was like, oh my god, why why are they why are they ancient? Just oh, let them die, please, before <laughs> their skin comes off. He says most Coloss die of heart attacks before reaching this state, so... Yeah, good. <laughs> I guess, For them, uh, like, I mean, it's gross, but surely that can't be a nice way to live. No, it's probably not fun, right? <sighs> and so uh, they throw him down before the elders, and the elders are basically like, you're so amazing, uh, we're going to turn you into one of us. It will be according to the will of the daughter of the one you challenged. And I like... Uh, He's like, sodden and dazed though I was, I would meet my fate head on. And the footnote is, or in other words, I couldn't escape immediately, but I wanted to be ready to run screaming like a child as soon as I had the opportunity, so I stood up. That's just, I, I feel like that one's just mean. <laughs> but not inaccurate. Well, yeah, probably not inaccurate. They're like, you must join us. And he's like, wait, what? All Kolos were once human. He's like, I'd heard people say that before, but uh, I considered like those statements silly and fanciful. It is with a heavy heart, I must tell you, that I was wrong. So very wrong. I have since learned the terrible truth. The ancients are right. Soylent Green is people. I mean, Kolos are people. Yeah. You someone was going to say it. <sighs> Kolos are not born. Kolos are made. Their barbarity exists inside all of us. Perhaps this is what Handerwim was trying to tell me. And he's like, well, no, but I ac I'll accept it. <laughs> not born, but shit into existence. <laughs> <laughs> That's a deeper cut. Okay. And he's like, look, it's true. I've seen the process with my own eyes, as have other scholars, and it is widely accepted that this, the description of this practice is true. I did try to explain this to Jack on several occasions. So, like, for Jack, it's a revelation. Like, Kolos are actually people. And Hinderum's like, yeah, I mean, we knew that already. Everyone knew that except you because you wouldn't listen when I tried to tell you. Was this to be my final end, to live my life as a brute in a distant village and my mind lost? And the footnote is, not sure if this is possible. It would be much like dividing by an all set. Can't lose what you don't have. 
And then he's like, you talked about the daughter of the one I challenged. Who is this? And it turns out that's his girl, Alessandra Damali. <laughs> no longer wearing a dress, instead wrapped in letters that o- leathers that only just covered. Yeah, yeah. Indeed, a full description of her figure would be too shocking for my more sensitive readers, and so I will forbear. This, of course, the footnote says, did not stop the newspaper editors from including a detailed sketch of this scene in their original printing of the article episode. Yeah. A full description of her voluptuous figure. <laughs> Maybe that's maybe that's supposed to be the picture that we saw because that's her like standing in the scene. So, and it turns out that uh, she is coloss blooded. This girl that Jack likes, and all of a sudden he's his prejudice yeah. against the coloss is he's like, wait, what? Yeah, music kicks in. She's coloss blooded. Coloss blooded. <laughs> I wish I did not have to write these words to you, my stalwart readers, but they are true, true as my poor heart bleeds. True as the ink on this page. Jesus, guys. So it turns out she's been using makeup to cover the blue tint in her skin, which isn't as uh, as dark as others, as other Coloss in the first place. But yeah, you, miss, like, you miss you miss the whole like and like the footnote about. He's like, yeah, we originally ended it on the whole she's Coloss blooded bit, and apparently that nearly caused riots when the story wouldn't continue until the next day or something. Oh yeah, yeah, I did forget about that one. It's like. uh Fortunately, we'd sent all three of these together in a single pouch. It's a constant source of amazement to me. People are so interested in Jack's raw accounts, rather than waiting for my more sensible annotated edition. This lack of taste on part of the general public is one of the reasons I left Ellendale to travel the roughs. Apparently, yeah, is that he notes he's taken a steward's oath of pacifism. So there's there's some details to uh, terrorist culture that we're not familiar with. She's like he can't he can't even he can't even shoot himself and say like, hey, I can't even kill myself because I will shed like I can't make myself sh- bleed my own blood. <laughs> Jack's like no you can't be coloss blooded you you're smart and the footnote is studies have proven that coloss blooded individuals are on average no less intelligent than ordinary humans though obviously this is not true for full coloss who have accepted the transformation or for most adventurers. Burn again, Jack. And then Alessandra makes a whole, like, I was born to the Coloss, but I have not accepted the transformation. Please, dear one, see past the skin and look into my heart. Then the footnote is, I showed this scene to her, and her response was laughter. Take that uh, as you wish. I would note, however, that when I have spoken to her of this, she has not seemed nearly so ashamed of her heritage, though she did hide it from us. This may be the funniest part of the whole thing, is, like, because there's a couple other annotations, or notes, rather, about, like, the way that he portrays Alessandra in these letters is apparently not very realistic. It's like, why does she even hang out with him? Right? You know, yeah, maybe she she uh, she needs better self-esteem. Why why does Leela eventually go for Fry, you know? Sure. Sometimes the stupid ones are also sweet enough to make you eventually see past it. She says, you killed their greatest champion, my mother. Wait, wait, that, the champion was a woman? Of course, didn't you notice? <laughs> He's, he looks around like, um... <laughs> Okay. No. <laughs> if there was a way to distinguish the males from the females other than <clears throat> peaking, I did not know it. In fact, I'd rather not have known that some of them were women. Yeah, okay, that's fair. If they haven't changed, like, because in the original one, that was the whole thing. Where it was like, can't tell any difference as far as they knew. And then she has another thing about, like, I will mourn you should you be taken by their embrace, dear one. And, uh. The footnote is more laughter here. If you know Zandra, you probably realize that any statement that lacks three curses and a comment about Jack's questionable parentage cannot truly be attributed to her. But she does seem <laughs> fond of him for some reason. She feels like from the way he describes her and what we've seen of Lessie, I'm like, these two kind of 
feel similar because Leslie's like making fun of uh, wax and cursing and is a rough type lady. I did feel there were a lot of parallels. At one point I was like, is Alamanta Jack real or is someone writing Alamanta Jack a little bit based on wax? Mm. It never occurred to me before Joe said it that like Renette might be a ghostwriter that I was like, oh, Maybe this is just like a fictional, like Renette does this for money on the side. Like huh. <laughs> it's just a sneaky way of advertising. And then we get a, a note that is all about the Colos and how they work now. So the children are born with skin that ranges from blue to gray, generally human, though some are stronger than normal. And eventually when they reach their 12th year, they're offered the choice to make the final transformation or not. Those who do not take the transformation have to leave and join human society. And by my estimation, many do leave, but just as many ordinary humans dissatisfied with their lives make their way to Kolos tribes and join them by accepting the transformation. So that's really interesting, actually. That uh, Imagine choosing that. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I'm just picturing some guy like working in an office. is like, man, fuck this shit. I'm going to go live among the trolls. <laughs> like, you know, they stick you to the wall and turn you into one. Well, it can't be any worse than fucking data entry for 12 hours a day. <laughs> It makes me wonder, like, as society develops and becomes more modern, like, are these tribes going to stay the same just out here on the fringes? Or It's interesting. And uh, Alessandra admits that uh, the descriptions of the treasure location that she heard from him made her suspect this might be the place. So she has kind of steered them this way, which maybe explains how uh, an idiot actually found the treasure. But, you know, and she says they're going to transform you against your will and then they're going to transform me against my will and I'm not going to allow it. So. And he takes an interesting approach here where he's just like, no, there's no need. I am already one of you. She's like, wait, what? This is the only plan I could think of. I am Kolos. Not possible. You are not blue. <laughs> I slew your champion. What ordinary human could be strong enough to do this? It's like, yeah, you had a gun. It, we know about guns. It <laughs> take strength to use them. Yeah, we, we know about good. Like, we've seen them. He's like, oh, crap. Okay, uh, well, then I'll have a final test. I'll bring you the treasure of the survivor. Not possible. Even the strongest Colossa failed. Then when I succeed, you'll know that I have told the truth. And she's like, Jack, you're an idiot. And he's like, yeah, well, but I'm not going to let them make me a Coloss, which that's fair, I guess. Like, I wouldn't want to let them do that either. So if, if it's like a really slim chance and probably I'll die or become a Coloss, I'd probably go for it, too. And then she kisses him, and he's like, oh, my gosh, this kiss was so amazing. And after it's over, he goes, you're amazing. And she says, well, damn, Jack, you finally gone and said something smart for once. And the footnote is, yeah, this part I believe. That sounds like an accurate <laughs> quote from her. Because he was she, too stupid to know it wasn't a compliment. She confided, she confided in me that she threatened to shoot him in the <clears throat> masculine identity if he didn't include it in the official narrative. This is a weird relationship between these two, and I, I don't get it, but I guess it's working for them, so whatever. He jumps in the pool, and it's like, it was deep, unfathomably deep. And the footnote is, and by that he means precisely 18.3 fathoms. I went back and measured. <laughs> I've never looked this up before, hold on. How deep is 18.3 fathoms in feet? 110 feet. That's pretty that deep. Um, 18.3 yeah. fathoms in meters. Is uh, 33 and a half meters. Yep, it's fairly deep. Pretty deep. Yeah, I'm, I'm impressed uh, swimming that deep. I'd, uh, I'm not doing that on one breath, probably. I mean, I've been scuba diving before, but you got an advantage there. 
Uh, so he swims down, starts to pass out, but flares his tin. Which did we see when he got his tin back? Like I don't remember that. It was in the kiss. Oh, okay. I did yep, a, a kiss laced with some metal. I didn't read the details of the kiss all that close, closely, quite honestly. I'm, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I don't need to hear your. <laughs> <sighs> but yes, he 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 flares the tin to wake himself back up and not pass out apparently. And he finds a metal box, which is way too heavy for him to lift. And then he remembers the poem. Opposite the sky, you shall find it, and it shall be raised only by life itself. Yes, I'm aware. He's quoted this poem six different times through the course of the narrative and has said it a little differently every time. No, he will not allow me to change them and make them consistent. <sighs> and he figures out that uh, there's a water skin type thing that's released by a latch. And he breathes air into it to make it float the box up and uh the, the thing the, the footnote is those readers with knowledge of buoyancy and pressure should probably stop here as opposed to working out the mathematics of what a single lung full of air could do it doesn't he pops back up and they're like you failed and then he's like no i haven't and the box floats up and uh here's a key that they'd found in maelstrom's mind mine rather it fitted exactly and the footnote is sigh <laughs> and inside were spikes and the Colossus are all excited. Jack is confused, and Alessandra explains lots of new spikes. With these, the tribe can grow. They were losing the wars with the tribes nearby. They've always been the smallest in the area. This will grow them by the dozens. It is true. It is a true treasure to them. So it's new Colossus spikes for making new Colossus. Yay for the Colossus, I guess. Maybe if they're not going to force it on people, then I guess you know you do you. But apparently they're not opposed to doing forcing on people because they were about to do it to two people. So I don't know. Jack is very disappointed about this fabulous fabled wealth of the survivor himself uh, was just a bunch of spikes. And Alessandra's like, hey, yeah, but we don't have to die now. They're excited. They're running off. They don't care about us anymore. And so they leave. The Colossus let them go. And they take off to hopefully find the rest of their caravan. And the footnote is, yes, they forgot about me. He's still napping. But then they realize that the box is pure aluminum, worth thousands. We found a treasure after all. Oh, wait, no, not all. Boo. <laughs> wait, not all. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, he's like, until then, I'm going to send more. We'll have more adventures and adventure on readers. And then there's an annotation about uh, that's not super interesting, except that we found out that, uh, it's written on the 17th of Hamandar, so there's another month is Hamandar. I don't remember if we knew oh, that one yet. Party on, contest winners. Party <laughs> on. I will say, until then, adventure on. That's a pretty cool sign-off line. No, yeah, absolutely. If we didn't already have one, you know. Yeah. Steal it wholesale. <laughs> until uh, of the next time, adventuring to the on. <laughs> oh, God. God. No, no, disregard. I don't oh. know if you guys read the postscript, but he wrote this story for uh, these. Yeah. There, th so there's a Mistborn RPG, and then they came out after the Alloy of Law came out. They came out with a supplement for this new era to make characters that fit the new era, like Twinborns and stuff. And so this was published in that supplement. <sighs> okay. So, yeah, that was that story, which, like I said, probably bottom shelf Sanderson for me. But uh, the, the annotations save it. Or the footnotes, rather, in my opinion. And then we go to Shadows of Self for the prologue. I don't know if you guys looked at the maps at the beginning of this one. 
there's a fun little note. It's like, had to add these tributaries and reservoir myself since the canton of cartography doesn't seem to care about accuracy of maps outside of Allendale. Yeah. Just the frustration is palpable. And then we get another map with uh, of Allendale with a bunch of new annotations by Naz once again. Good old Naz. Yep. Waxillian Ladrian, lawman for hire, swung off his horse and turned to face the saloon. So I don't know, did everyone immediately uh, know who the kid was? Because he's just called Kid for this beginning section. So when I was reading, I was like, okay, so he's a lawman for hire. But then when he's talking about walking into a saloon, I was like, oh, this must be a flashback. So I bet the kid is Wax. Wayne. Or yeah. Wayne, sorry. Yeah, Wayne. Yeah. Okay. Similar thought process, yeah. I honestly I, um, I think I thought about it when I read it. So. I, I, I didn't get it then, but then a few sentences later, he says, don't steal anything. And then, yeah. like, the way he responds, I promise I won't swipe nothing of yours. And I was like, oh, well, that's Wayne. Yeah, clearly Wayne at that point, right? Yeah. <sighs> Wax's horse is named Destroyer. He's like, don't tie it. Don't tie her up. I might need her. And don't Yeah. Steal. I call this one Dace and this one Troy. <laughs> <laughs> Got so, a place called Texas. Texas. Yep. Wayne is 17 here. I promise I won't swipe nothing of yours, Wax. That's not what I said. <laughs> Just stay with the horses and don't talk to anyone. So it's a dirty saloon. He walks in. He's looking for a certain fella. He's got a bounty for, I guess. And he's trying to look uh, He's trying to look dramatic and stuff. Nobody's paying him a whole lot of attention, which he's slightly offended by. The barkeep looked like he could have had some terrace blood in him from that willowy build. Though his refined cousins in the basin would have been horrified to see him chewing on a greasy chicken leg with one hand while serving a mug with the other. Charming. Right? Yeah. Looking for a guy goes by the name of Granite Joe. Don't know him. You don't. He's only the single most notorious outlaw in these parts. Don't know him. But it's safer not to know men like Joe. So he takes <laughs> yeah. a bite of his chicken leg. I like, I, I love that where it's like, okay, well, you obviously know him. You're an idiot. I don't know Joe on purpose. Are you understanding now? But I have a friend. That's surprising. <laughs> really, Wax? Come on. I imagine, like, the bar- the bartender's voice is like, you guys remember Pat Buttram? Like, would show up in, like, a whole bunch of Disney cartoons and old westerns. Like, really distinctive squeaking wheel of a voice. Oh, I know the voice you're talking about. I didn't know the name. Yeah, yeah, that guy. is like, the bartender is him. Hmm. I was imagining just, like, very ironically, the bartender sounds just, like, sazed. No. It's safer not to know men like Joe, but I have a friend. My friend would be willing to know people that others won't. Uh, you'll pay? I'm a lawman. I do what I do in the name of justice. So you'll pay. Yes, I'll pay. <laughs> and so the barkeep leads him over to a room and says, wait, and then closes the door and leaves. And Wax is thinking about the months he spent out here chasing bounties it's showing him that there are good men and women out here, but they all have this stubborn fatalism about them, and they don't trust authority. And that's when the window opens, or the window shakes and then opens, after he's uh, freaked out and pulled his gun. And a young woman in dark tra- trousers hops in, rifle in one hand, and is surprised to see him, supposedly. I think we find out later that not really, but <laughs> they face off for a second. She's like, hey, aren't you that guy who killed Parrot the Black? Waxillium Ladrian, lawman for hire. You, you, really? That's how you introduce yourself? Yeah, why not? Lame. A cravat? Really? It, it's kind of my thing. Gentleman bounty hunter? Why would a bounty hunter need a thing? It's important to have a reputation. The outlaws do. Uh, you're after the bounty on Joe. Sure am, you two. Split it? Yeah, okay. The one who shoots him gets a double portion, though. 
I was going to bring him in alive. Good. Gives me a better chance of killing him first. <laughs> I like her. Oh, Lessie. Have you seen him? Yeah, no, that's the too bad we already know she's dead. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, she's like... Doesn't, doesn't bother me that much. I mean, you know, she's dead. It's nice that oh. we get a chance to see a fun character who we wouldn't otherwise get to see. If uh, it doesn't bother you that much, Dak, you have no soul or heart. <laughs> Disagree. Disagree. Uh, I would say it warms by uh, my heart and soul to see, like, to fill in the blanks and see what the character was like before they died. Yeah. Yeah. Think about it. So basically, Joe owns owns the whole (laughs) town, more or less. And she's like, you seriously asked the barkeep? Like, do you not know everyone here works for Joe? How how, how did you take down Parrot the Black? And uh, they're going to go out the window, but there's a sharpshooter out there. Are you you always this observant, Mr. Cravat? Only when I'm being shot at. This is a problem. There's that razor-sharp power of observation again. But no, he notes, how did they have time to get a sharpshooter into position? They had to know that I was coming today, so this whole place is probably a trap at this point. And she curses, and he goes, they're taking me seriously. Ha! The reputation is working, you see? Congratulations. You think they'll give me a reward if I shoot you? Oh, gosh. And so they come up with a plan to, uh, she's going to run for the stairs while he distracts them. She doesn't like the plan, but he's like, okay, that's fine. I mean, if if you want to stay here, then you get to be a distraction for me. Works out. And he starts to know that there's something familiar about her as she runs and he uh, uses his allomancy to spoil the aim of all the gunmen out there waiting to shoot them. So they actually make it up the steps, much to her shock. And uh, he's like, wait, I have met you before. You were that dancing girl at the weeping. And she's like, oh, crap, you remembered. She actually is, oh, God beyond, which may be a new one for us. I don't know if we know anything about God beyond. Yeah, I haven't heard that one. Mm. No. I knew you were faking. Even Rusko wouldn't hire someone that uncoordinated, no matter how pretty her legs are. Can we go jump out a window now, please? And I, I don't know exactly if if this was like a, a strip thing or whatever, but he's like, you really didn't know they were going to make you. And she goes, this conversation is done. And so I, I want to see this this adventure now, too. Maybe that'll be the next book. <laughs> oh, gosh. And so they get up there at, to the other side of the building. You can't see much in the middle distance beyond the humble buildings and a few giraffes browsing lazily. Of all animals. Right? Yeah, okay. Why not? Yeah, I think maybe the roughs, maybe it's kind of savannah-ish. I don't know. And he whistles for the horse, and she goes, what the hell are you doing? And he says, calling my horse. We'll drop into the saddle. You're serious? Sure, we've been practicing. And Wayne pokes his head around. Uh, Wax, destroyer's just standing there drinking. <laughs> and she's like, you <laughs> named your horse... Look, she's a little placid, okay? I thought maybe the name might inspire her. Wayne, bring her out. We're going to jump. Like, hell we are. You think there's something magical about a saddle that will keep you from breaking a horse's back when we drop into it? Well, I've read about people doing this. Oh, I saw it on TV. He's <laughs> so new at this, and it's great. I, I love, like, Wax that doesn't know all the stuff that Wax knows. How He's been reading you? too much elements and Jack. Maybe a little bit, yeah. But I like Wax, so it's okay. How did you kill Parrot the Black? Well, oh, hell, you caught him on the crapper, didn't you? Yeah. Did you shoot him in the back, too? As bravely as any man ever shot another in the back. And her response is, there might be hope for you yet. So what, did he go around the back of the ad house, shoot through the wall, and just, and was like, man, I really hope that was Parrot in there, opened the door. It's like, oh, yeah, that was definitely (laughs) him. It's like, it said, oh, crap, I've hit the mayor instead. I think in my mind, it was more like he opens the door to, like, the outhouse or whatever, and the guy in there is, like, 
surprised and jumps up and like turns around to try to get his pants pulled up and uh, get shot at that point. Okay. Nah, I, I think he watched him back. I, yeah, I think he watched him uh, like walk into the outhouse and be like, "Oh, I'll get him while he's taking his crap." <laughs> <laughs> now I'll get him. I like that vision. Actually, no. What's even better? It's like he wasn't actually trying to catch the bounty. He just really needed to go and wanted to get the other guy out of there faster. And then realized, oh, there's a bounty on this guy. <laughs> yeah, just coincidentally. Wait, I know you. <laughs> she keeps calling him Mr. Cravat, and so eventually he calls her Miss Pink Garter. And she raises an eyebrow. He's like, wait, if you're going to identify me by my clothing, I can do the same for you. And she goes, it shall never be mentioned again. So, and as they're about to go out the window, he spots another sharpshooter out here and pulls her away just in time to avoid the bullet. Although I, I, I did notice here, it's like he's adjusting his weight with his metal mine, so he probably could jump out of a window and yep. land in his horse's saddle without harming yeah. it. He's just been trying to keep his Alamancia secret. I didn't mention that, but he's mentioned it a couple times. It's like, I don't yeah, want to yeah. reveal too much. I don't know if he could do it carrying her, but who knows? Yeah. But then he, he thinks the sharpshooter aimed a little bit high, even if we hadn't avoided it. Why was he thinking he was going to shoot me out of the sky when I flew out the window. Crap. They know about my Alamancy and Granite Joe has guys ready for me. This is bad. And he's like, okay, let's see. So your informant said Granite Joe was in the building. And she says, yeah, he definitely is. He likes to keep close when his gang is being gathered, but they're at the top of the building. Now have not found Granite Joe wax notes that the building has a basement because he mentioned that earlier about how it's unusual out here. And she goes, okay. And he's like, okay, so hang on. And then he does what he, we saw him do in the last book, where he makes himself so heavy that the floor beneath him collapses. And they basically fall through a couple of floors and onto Granite Joe's dinner table. <laughs> He's got a napkin tucked into his collar and some soup spilled on the table in front of him. It's very Looney Tunes-esque. It really is. Yeah. Also, Grant- Wax just has a way of just destroying everyone's dinner. Right? <laughs> Not allowed to eat around this guy. <laughs> Joe has a couple of duster-wearing bodyguards, a man and a woman siblings that are supposedly crack shots. But everyone was surprised by his uh, their sudden entrance because no one else has drawn their weapons yet. Wax is the one with his gun out, but he's like, well, I could shoot Joe, but then they will kill me. So we've got a – and it's not really a Mexican standoff. We're not on Earth, so it's uh, – we need a, a place in on Skadrial yeah. that can be a standoff about a weathering standoff. Maybe that works. <laughs> and Joe says, you should be dead. And Wax is like, eh, you might want to hire a new group of thugs. The ones upstairs aren't worth much. He's like, no, no, no. I'm not talking about that. How long have you been out here making trouble in the roughs? Like two years? Wax says one. He'd been up here longer, but he only recently started making trouble. And Joe has a whole speech about you people coming out here trying to reform us of our uncivilized ways. We see dozens like you every year. The others at least have the decency to learn how to be bribed or to get dead before they ruin too much. And he, he says, drop your weapons, drop them before I shoot. Wax says the guards did not move. No metal lines on them or on Joe, for that matter. One of them has a handgun or no metal lines on the guard on the right. The one with the handgun has metal lines. Sorry. Perhaps trusting to his speed of his draw against a coin shot. But the other has a fancy crossbow single shot. Wood and ceramic built for killing coin shots. So yeah, this is this is a world where you develop the technology of crossbows further than Earth would have because uh, it can come into play. 
And Joe's like, you don't belong here. We came here to escape from folks like you with your rules and your assumptions. We don't want you. And Wax says, well, if that was true, people wouldn't come to me crying because you killed their sons. This isn't your habitat, son. Everyone has a price up here. If they don't, they don't fit in. You'll die slow and painful, just like a lion would die in that city of yours. So apparently, I guess maybe there's lions living out here, too. Maybe it's Savannah-ish. Yeah. Joe shoots, gets his crossbow out, shoots it off, but Wax gets out of the way in time and manages to shoot the female guard, who'd also pulled her crossbow. At the same time, he pushes on the gun of the male guard. But he hasn't developed his uh, his whole bubble thing for pushing on metal that he is not his yet. So when he pushes on that guy's gun, he pushes his own gun away also and sends it spinning at the second bodyguard, smacking him in the face and dropping him. <laughs> Wasn't that lucky. <laughs> Meant to do it. Yeah, exactly. Totally on purpose. And he thinks he has the advantage now until a weapon clicks behind him and he finds Lessie pointing a crossbow directly at him. And Granite Joe says, everyone up here has a price. I mean, we all knew, right, that Leslie wasn't uh, was going to join up with Wax. So I don't know that this is as dramatic as it could have otherwise been. And she's like, I warned you, man, that everyone in the saloon was on Joe's payroll. And he says, I I still think your legs are pretty. <laughs> she sighs and then turns and shoots Granite Joe in the neck. And then she goes, that really? That's all you had to win me over? You have nice legs? Seriously? You are so doomed up here. It worked, didn't it? <laughs> he's like, oh, man, I thought you were going to shoot me for sure. She's like, I should have. I can't even believe it. And the the guys from upstairs come down, and they see uh, Joe and his guards dead. And they're just like, our bad dog. Well, they they just leave. Because Wax strikes him. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Wax in his dramatic pose. Wax in dramatic pose. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Wax. You've changed, man. <laughs> His reputation. He's still trying to build it, you know? And I like the, the forlorn barkeep is the last one to leave. Uh, and Leslie says, you're as surprising as a donkey who can dance, Mr. Cravat. It helps to have a thing. Mm. Oh, yeah? You think Does I should it? get a thing? Getting a thing has been one of the most important choices I made in coming to the roughs. I have no idea what you were talking about, but it sounds kind of dirty. <laughs> And he, he says, thanks for not murdering me. And she goes, ah, I was eventually going to kill him and turn him in for the bounty anyway. So, And this is somebody mentioned. It's like, look, she, her, her her reasoning is, I've done plenty of things in Joe's name. I wished I hadn't. But as far as I know, I never shot a man who didn't deserve it. Killing you, it, it would have been like killing what you stood for, too, you know? Next time, though, I hope it won't involve making so, quite so big a mess. I like this saloon. And so this is, this is Weathering, the town that Wax eventually becomes, like, lawkeeper in. So... I guess this is the start of his relationship with her and with the town. Yeah. It's kind of uh, another parallel we can kind of draw here, which is kind of sad as well. It added to the sadness factor for me when I was reading it. It's like, she's like, I couldn't kill you, but like he ends up shooting her. So like, that's Oh, I didn't know that. That is. Yeah. 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 She makes fun of him because uh, I, I skipped it earlier, but while she's running, he shoots to distract them and, misses three times and shoots the piano instead and uh she's like three shots three different notes not a single bandit down that takes skill maybe you should spend less time with your thing and more time with your gun he goes now that sounded dirty and she goes good i hate being crass by accident and then destroyer pokes his head into the top of the hole (laughs) and wayne also pops in in an oversized bowler hat where had he gotten that sure now you come stupid horse 
Unless he's like, actually, it seems to me like staying away from you in the gunfight makes her a smart horse. And that's, that's I like that too. I know, right? It's 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 she's so fun and yet it's so sad because she's gone. Yeah. Oh gosh. Okay. That is the end of uh of uh, of the prologue. What do you guys I guess let's do some predicaments. What do you guys think we're gonna see next? I mean it's not really a lot to go on. It is not um, at all. Nope. Like we well like, we have no present day context to any of this, so <laughs> as far as what's going to happen next, was like it's really just what we made at the end of the last episode. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah. If, if you guys don't have anything, feel free. It's okay, but I had to give you the chance. That's it's a, it's a segment on the show. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe Destroyer comes back. Destroyer was really a candor or something. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, why not? Swing for the fences. Let's go. Oh my gosh, that actually reminds me. I told you guys about like the original story of Alloy of Law being Wayne riding into town on a talking horse. That is I couldn't, what I was thinking, yeah. I couldn't mention. <laughs> that was a Kandra in the story. But we didn't know the Kandra yeah. still existed, so I couldn't say that. But yeah, and so apparently it's a story like it's like a grumpy Kandra who wants to get back into like a human body ASAP. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Interesting. I think the Kandra are more open to animal bodies now because they really were down on 10 soon for being a dog yeah you have to wonder and, if and, uh and he was just like hey that. man don't knock it till you tried it <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe one is hanging out hanging out around jack as a bird yeah i mean for all we know that could be 10 soon the bird it's yeah. possible could be okay any 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 other predicaments from somebody uh, i don't really have anything new i guess the only thing is what i said in my first remarks that I feel like this will probably mirror something that's going to happen in the book in, in sort of the main story. Yeah. Perhaps with his relationship with Steris, you know, we saw how that relationship started, maybe seeing how this relationship started. Yeah. I, I don't know, but in terms of where the story's going to go on a whole, I think obviously we're not done with Mr. Suit. Um, we've still got the mystery of the, the women to recover. So I'm sure that that will probably be Wax's, mission where he sets off on his crime but you know we'll probably have something new come into play as well maybe they all tie together but yeah i mean he's not going to let go that his uncle was mr suit so i'm sure he'll be tracking that down and then we've got all the stuff with marsh and the little pocketbook as well so Mm -hmm. i'm sure it won't be long before we see what's to go there okay makes sense yeah so besides you know what i said last time this prologue almost feels like a capsule because we haven't read anything else, but I, I want to hope that there are things that are drawn, maybe more than thematic things, maybe specific things. I know I kind of touched on this a little bit before in the show today, but I think well, what I'd really like to do is swing for the fences here and say there's going to be a direct parallel in the story to what we've seen in the prologue. So not only is like Leslie's kind of criminal past going to come up, but like specifically I think it's going to be like a relative of Granite Joe or something. Mm. And it's going to, they're going to be out for revenge against Waxillium because they, um, you know, they've been planning, they've been plotting or planning something for a long time and now they're going to bring it to fruition. So you'll have that story kind of alongside the other pieces that we already have, the finding the women, the organization that his uncle's involved in, um, the book that was given to, given to Marsh uh, or given to Marisai by Marsh. So yeah, um, I'm just gonna go ahead and say let's just let's just say it's all gonna be in there. We're gonna throw it all in. You say like a relative of Granite Joe, I'm like, oh good, he comes yeah. to Limestone Jim. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. I was gonna say I was gonna say Pebble Steve, but Limestone Jim is better. <laughs> yeah. I like this idea of like Lessie's past comes back to haunt him. And I mean, she yeah. even says here like she's done a bunch of stuff for Granite Joe, so it could even be something like right. a, someone that she hurt and their family is coming back. I mean, yeah. All sorts of like possibilities. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe we'll get more of like the Wayne, like you know, exactly. he sent money. Well, sure, oh, okay. but they send, you know, he sends money to those to those kids of the guy he yeah. killed. Maybe we'll get more on that. Okay, we have we have actually four emails. I think that, uh, this Oof. is a big week for emails. Uh, before before that though, for next time we are reading three chapters, chapters one, two, and three. Should be easy enough to remember. So this first one is from Pergus. Starts out with just says Kia Ora. Uh, oh, yeah, New Zealand. Oh, okay. Glad someone recognized. <laughs> um, yeah. Just want to say thanks for all the stupidly funny stuff you guys have been putting out. You wondered if there's anyone still listening from your early days. I definitely got on board very early, around the time volcanoes were predicted, which was not long after Adam's first appearance, and it's been great ever since. So, yeah, thanks. Also, I can't remember, did you guys spot Hoyd in Alloy of Law yet? Did anyone uh, spot Wait, Hoyd? Wait, what? We didn't, we didn't talk about it. Did anyone spot Hoyd's appearance in Alloy of Law? Oh. No. no. Okay, so no. I couldn't mention it at the time because that would show you that you didn't need to try to spot him anywhere else. At the wedding that they attended at that wedding dinner in Alloy of Law, when the married couple walks in and everyone is greeting them, Wax is like, I wonder why they're talking to that guy who looks like a beggar. That was uh, Yeah, uh, I, I thought about that at the time. I know this is total BS sounding saying it now. I thought about that at the time, but... You know, I forgot in between the time we read it and the time we were talking about it to really, like, say anything about it. So, yeah, there you go. He did not have a big role in that one, but he hasn't had a huge role in any of the Mistborn yeah. books that we've read. So did he um, did they describe that he had gray hair, too? Or no, I don't think so. I think it just okay. said it was a guy who looked like a looked beggar, like a but beggar. I could be wrong. Hold yeah. on, I'm going to go back and check real quick because I can just search the book for the word beggar and probably. OK, yeah. so what I'm getting is any time a beggar of any kind shows up. <laughs> Uh, we need to, we need to just go. All right, well that's Hoyd. Yeah. It's like, and, now we, and then we need to think. All right, what are some of the synonyms for beggar? It's like, oh, here comes the lovable tramp. That's Hoyd. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, sexy beggar in Lanterns also, huh? Sexy yeah. drifter is way better anyway. So he was yeah. the fool in uh, in uh, the, uh, the what's it called? Uh, the Emperor's Soul. Emperor's Soul. Yeah. Let's see. Here it is. Wax didn't know them, though he did wonder why they were speaking with a scruffy man who looked like a beggar dressed all in black. That's all we get. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, so now that we know who he is, why, what, why were they talking to him? What, more specifically, why was he talking to them? Yeah. What what, what did they know that he's uh, in here for? Yeah. Well, maybe they're, like, in the know. I mean, as far as we know, he was after, you know, becoming, like, a Mistborn or something with that, uh, the metal, right? So... Well, well, that was hundreds of years before. Yeah, that was, I mean, that yeah. was hundreds of years ago. He got that. So I wonder what else might bring him to Skadriel. Bum, 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 ferrochemy, duh. Maybe, yeah. He's going to figure out how to be a ferrochemist, even though that's not something you can figure yeah. out. Investiture. Uh, and the email ends, Naku Noa Na Pergus. That one I don't know, but I can, you can probably Google it. Well, Let's don't do going. that. Let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you, Pergus. Good to yes, hear from some from Kiwiland. This one is from Dan, B. Dano on the Discord, he says. 
Hi, all. Just listen to episode 99 where you asked for people who were – this was Joe who asked, in case anyone doesn't remember – where you asked for people who were there from the beginning to write in. I wasn't sure when I started listening, but thankfully my podcast player has listened history. I listened to episode one on May 1st, 2020. Not that you need proof, but screenshot attached, which, yeah, that was like right uh, like the first mm-hmm. when it came out, I think. This was my first yep. podcast where there was one veteran reader and other first-time readers. And I have to say, you all have done a great job. I appreciate the consistency you have with putting these out. I always look forward to Monday morning to get my fix. It's been fun to see the crew get wise to Brandon's style and tricks and be able to tease out predictions based on more meta stuff. Also, I love the random tangents and references, especially the Futurama ones. I oh, love man. This episode is just oh. weird with them. <laughs> it's so yeah, weird. It's so, I was thinking that halfway through. Want... Like, man, we really admit this <laughs> Chock full of nuts. They should call it chock full of flavor. If you know that quote. That's, yeah, that's a news radio <laughs> reference. So. Yeah. Oh, you gave it away. Classic. Well, if they knew it, then they knew it. If they didn't know it, then now they do. So. Yeah. If you didn't know, but now you know. Great yeah. show. Yes. Excellent show. Poor Phil Hartman. I love talking things through on the Discord, talking about the episodes and predictions, or anticipating when things are going to show up, such as High Imperial. I also appreciate the wider Cosmere chats we've been having especially since theory crafting when the secret projects came out keep up the great work and look forward to another couple hundred episodes before you're caught up with the rest of the cosmere dan yeah i'm trying to remain unspoiled on these secret projects so i put a channel in the discord that i am not looking at because i don't where they can talk about wow. it but i can't so even data is not talking about it on the discord i keep thinking i should yeah. probably skim through there to make sure they're not Ooh. like you know, selling rare animals and using, you know, using our, sure. our sport as a dark web, uh, something or other. Well, now you just gave him that idea. You're going to have to cut this. <laughs> it's like, yo, you want, you want female chinchillas, bro? I got them. But thank you, Dan. <laughs> oh, the next one is from Robert. Dear crew, longtime listener and lurker of the Discord, first-time emailer, I just want to comment on Jamie's experience with the audiobook and her reaction to Wayne's accent. I've listened to the entire Cosmere on audiobook and believe Michael Kramer and Kate Reading do an excellent job in general. But Mistborn Era 2 may be my favorite solely due to Wayne's character and the way Michael Kramer brings him to life. It takes his character to a whole new level and gives me a greater appreciation for his skill as a voice actor. It only gets better as the story goes into Shadows of Self and Bands of Mourning. Keep up the good work. Wasing to the time of next, Robert. Oh, maybe I'll have to listen to the next book. It's funny because there was a, 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 a reaction to people have been saying from the beginning, they're like, you guys should listen to the audiobooks. And I have to keep being like, I, I would, but I can't do audiobooks. Like, it, I just, I can't concentrate on them. So I'm not yeah. going to be doing the audiobooks. But when you, when you were like, hey, I did mm. these chapters on audiobook, people were like, ah, finally, somebody's uh, yeah. understanding how amazing these audiobooks are. I, I, I'd like to go take give a listen to them. I can't do audiobooks if I've never read the material. Mm. So like now I could probably go back and do it for the ones we've read so far. But it's definitely not a way that I can experience it first time. I've got to actually read it. Yeah, like it was it was new. And it's like I I didn't dislike the experience, but like I mean I was driving a car at the time, right. so like that like I wasn't paying a hundred percent attention. Yeah, hopefully yeah. you were paying attention to the road. That would be good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and and like and so I can't speak into that. Made it like I, I sometimes my mind does wander when listening to stuff. Anyway, so I'm just like, oh well, maybe it'll work for me, maybe not. But I did have to go back and reread the bits that we listened to um, afterwards. Anyway, so I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, uh, so, someday maybe I'll I'll give them a try because I I think what Joe's saying makes sense uh, because you know 
now that I've already read them, maybe it'll be easier to try to listen to them. I, I don't know if that's accurate because I tried that with the Dresden Files books because James Marsters mm-hmm. is an amazing uh, narrator on those, and I still can't really, even though I've read those yeah, books a hundred times. It's not something that I can sit and listen to solely. I would have to just put it on in the background while I'm doing something else. Like I, mm. I will often re-listen to the Harry Potter audiobooks that way. Like I'm just on my computer working on something, or I'm playing a game of some kind, and I'm just I've just got that on in the background. Jim Dale's awesome, by the way. Hmm. Uh, okay, sorry. Our fourth email comes from it's signed Craft. Hey, gang, just finished episode 99, and I decided to respond to Joe's call for longtime listeners. Though, to be honest, I've been thinking about emailing again for a while. I jumped on the bandwagon very early on, around episode three or four, and I've been listening weekly ever since. What I enjoy most is probably the lighthearted humor of the podcast and the fact that each of you seem to look at different aspects of the content you read, providing unique perspectives to the show. Also, I was a massive Miracle of Sound fan before discovering you guys, so that helped hook me. (laughs) Recently, I was really excited to hear Jamie had been listening to the audiobook version, as that's how I've been following along with each week's chapters. Michael Kramer is such a great narrator. He really brings the story to life with such emotive reading and range. When you get to the Stormlight Archive, definitely give the audiobooks a listen at some point, as he and his wife, Kate Reading, do a really fan, do really fantastic work with them. Keep up the great content and looking forward to the dive into Shadows of Self-Craft. So yeah, apparently th- th- they were both like professional audiobook or voice acting people, and so... Uh, they got them both to work on some of these audiobooks, and apparently people really are uh, huge fans of them. Yeah, apparently. That's cool. Thank you guys uh, <laughs> for responding to my call and emailing in. Uh, even if you're like way behind and you got to episode 99 late and you're like, oh, I, I, I haven't been keeping up like week to week. Go ahead and email anyway. We love hearing from you guys. And it did also start a, a talk in the Discord where people were like, man, how, when did I start listening? And people were all going back and looking at their history to see how long they'd been in. So it was a, it was a nice uh, nice call to arms there. I got everyone thinking about it. We're, this is episode 101 now, so we're – Yeah. I was, almost, I, I was almost saying, like, we're on our way downhill. It's not uh, – Yeah. 101 <laughs> uh, Dalmatians is my uh, – as a child was my favorite animated Disney film. Hmm. And not, I, oh, not I, anymore. Oh. Which one's now? Ah, uh, that's a tough one. Maybe Aladdin. Aladdin's very good. It is good. I agree. Uh, I was going to actually mention, I forgot when I was reading Dan's email, uh, where he said he appreciates the consistency uh, that we put these out. We do, we we really try, uh, and I've said it in the Discord also, it's like, one of the things that I hate when there's a podcast I listen to all the time is not just when they skip, you know, everyone has to skip a week sometimes or even more. I really hate it when they do it and there's no warning. And then I'm like sitting here all day, like, is, is the new episode going to come out? Where's the new episode? Why hasn't it come out yet? And so we really try hard not to miss if we can avoid it. And if mm. we can't, I try to warn you guys well ahead of time. Yeah. That being said, uh, we might have to miss a week soon. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Or I might not be able to be in at least one episode. Yep. We're, we're, yeah, we're May appears to be a busy month for us. Yeah. <laughs> May got weird for, out of nowhere. for everybody. Yeah. It's not really the time that you expect. I mean, around Christmas, it's like, oh, well, duh, people are going to be busy, right? But, hey, that's an interesting pick. So, yes, thank you, everyone, for emailing. If you'd like to send us an email, thesanderlanch at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter and Facebook and Patreon now and all those good places. I know I said last time I was going to look at the five-star reviews so that we could do patrons and uh, twin-born names. It has been a busy week for me, and I did not manage to do that. So next week, we will do it. Sorry that I that, that, that I let you down on that. Yeah. Uh, Scouts honor this time. I got yeah. my three fingers up. <laughs> <laughs>
again for next week episodes or episodes chapters one two and three of shadows of self music by miracle of sound and you guys may have noticed i didn't mention at the beginning of the episode what the new song was that's because i have had picked out for a while like shadows of self is actually one of the first ones that i was like oh i have a song that's going to go with this one and it was one of uh one of his batman themed songs i feel like wax has sort of a batman quality at times and then as we started recording this episode i was telling joe that i was having second thoughts i'm like there's another song that i might want to do instead so i've actually decided for sure uh, at the time of this recording which one it'll be you guys will already know at this point because you'll have heard it at the beginning but i don't know yet so it'll be interesting (laughs) well with bands of mourning would one of those songs fit that one too well and that's the thing is i actually had previously labeled this song for bands of mourning Mm. and as i and as i was looking through some stuff before we started recording i was like maybe that's a better fit for this one though and so yeah that's it's it's a whole thing so yeah maybe maybe i'll go my original plan maybe i'll just swap the two and we'll reverse what book they're in maybe i won't end up using the batman one at all we'll see i have some time one yeah the the arkham knight one i'm 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 guessing uh it is the mind of the bat i forget which one Mm. oh that was for um yeah that was for for asylum that was the riddle one yeah yeah that was for the first one yeah yes riddle me this and riddle me yes that's the one yeah. I know that one. <laughs> so yeah. Uh I will uh what once we record the next episode where I will have already decided this, I will uh, give more specific credit where it is due, but for now I'm not sure. So come back next week. You don't need to come back to hear what song it is. You'll you'll already know that by the time you're listening to this. But come back next week anyway for uh for chapters 1, 2 and 3 of Shadows yeah. of Self, which I also think is just a cool title. It's uh it's like weird and mysterious sure. sounding to me. Yeah. Yeah. Co- come back next week or don't. You know, your choice. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not, not going to make you or anything. But, uh, you know, just know in those late hours when you're up late and you can't sleep, we're always here. Also, the, <laughs> the front cover of the book has, I guess that's Wayne because he's wearing a bowler hat with a big nah, star. I always thought it was Wax and Marisai, unless you have a different cover than me. Probably, I think Possibly. they have the UK version. So, uh, oh, let me, different let me cover. You'll have to send me a screen grab. Oh, that's it's yeah. the one with like a, a doorway or a keyhole giant thing. It, I thought it was a it, keyhole, but now looking at it, it's like, is this is that a mirror? Yeah, from far away, it looks like like a big Kingdom Hearts keyhole to me. But yes, yeah, I, I assume that this guy must be Wayne with the bowler hat on. Yeah. 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 The U.S. version the has hall. like I think Wax and Marisai on the cover, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, I actually don't own a physical copy of this. I've I've been saving the physical copies of most of his books for the leather bounds is uh how i'm buying those so unlike like say the dresden files i'm collecting signed first editions for this one i'm going for those special leather bound editions for brandon's books that way i I have to limit myself to like one type of thing that i'm going to collect in in a book series otherwise i end up with like nine different versions of the same book and it's really bad so i have to i have to restrict myself yeah yeah it's never a good never a good plan I've got paperbacks for all the Dresden file books up until uh, cold days. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, but then after that, I was buying them as soon as they came out. So right. for, for the next three and for briefcases, I've got hardbacks. That's like, this is what I was able to get mm-hmm. ahead of time, like quickly. Cause they didn't have the, the paperback readily available when they first came out. Well, yeah. And the Dresden files actually came out in paperback first until book seven was the first one that came out in hardcover. So hmm. Uh, fun facts anyway thank you everybody for listening come back next week for the first three chapters well yeah one two and three and was to the time of next everyone colo 
screwed that up. 